Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Chapter 10 of A Girl of High Adventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Speakeasy B. A Girl of High Adventure by L. T. Mead. Chapter 10. Chapter 10. Thou art faithful, and so are my bees. I am going to be your little pupil, Grandpere said Margot, raising her beautiful eyes to the old man's face. "'Eh? What?' he exclaimed. "'Eh, what? I thought you were at the school of Madame la Princesse.' "'I don't like that school, mon cher grand-père. I don't like the girls there. "'I want you to teach me. Yes, you. You can, you know. You know an awful lot.' "'I don't know anything little fledgling answered grandpere what i did learn i have forgotten i am an old man on the brink of eternity it is not given to me to teach even one so douce as thou mon ange but can we not read poetry together said margot I know you are terribly old, Grandpere. You are much, much older than the Desmond. Oh, but the Desmond, he is magnifique. So big, so tall, so broad. His beard long and white as snow, and his hair white as snow. But his eyes are somewhat like yours, Grandpere. Only they don't go so deep in his head. Yes, thou art old, mon grandpere, but still thou canst teach thy little Marco one hour a day. See, it is done. But what shall I teach, my pretty? How to talk the beautiful French tongue like thyself. Surely that will not be difficile. It will be to thee nothing, thou learned man, très bien, ah, oh, but I cannot say all the words I want, but thou canst do it, mon grand-père. Only for one hour a day, my Margot, but listen, understand, believe.' 
We must not stay any longer than one hour over the French Cybele, for it would fatigue the old man. After that, I will teach thee the Irish language, said Margot, her eyes sparkling. I will teach thee, and thou wilt laugh, oh, thou wilt laugh. Thou art a très bon petit enfant, said the old man. I like to have thee near me, close to my side. For one hour each day, from two to three, we will talk that language the most elegant in the wide world. After that, I will lie back on my pillows of down, and thou shalt tell me things to make me laugh, and laugh again, ma petite. It was in this way that Margot's new life began. It was a very busy one, and on the whole happy. She was glad to leave the school of La Princesse, and she greatly liked selling chapeau and robe for her belle grand-mère, la comtesse. She was particularly happy when the members of the school of La Princesse de Fleury entered the establishment, looking longingly at the pretty, clever child, and she had the opportunity of giving them, as she expressed it, the back. She had great pride, had this little comtesse, and when she swept past Lady Dorothy Duncan and even the other English girls who had tried to befriend her, she enjoyed herself immensely. She had become, in fact, a sort of power of the establishment, and never did the Franks come in so quickly, and the robes and the chapeau and the fans and the gaunts fly so fast. She had a knack of picking out elderly, rich-looking people and dressing them according to her own taste. Meanwhile, she passed utterly by the inmates of the great school and the other aristocrats, of whom she took no notice whatsoever. The people whom little Margot attended to were bourgeoisie, but they were rich, and Margot was clever enough to charge them according to their means. In short, things were going so well that Madame la Belle Grammaire felt it only her duty to give the child the very best music lessons which Arles could produce. The afternoons were sacred to Mon Grand Père, and in short, the little incident in connection with the school was well nigh forgotten. Oh, what a very happy girl was Margot Saint Just! But she little knew that a cloud was arising in the blue of her sky, and that she was not to escape scot-free. Ebby Duncan was really engaged to a young nobleman of great distinction. The marriage was to take place within a very short time. She had an aunt who lived some distance from Arles, who would supply her with that dot which the Marquise could not possibly raise. And this aunt came constantly to Arles to see about her niece's robe and chapeau for la marage. The fame, the taste of the small dark-eyed comtesse had reached the ears of Madame de Rade, and she was determined that the little comtesse 
and no one else should assist in the choosing of the marriage garments for the young lady Ebe Duncan. But it is one thing for man to propose, and another thing for God to dispose. The little Comtesse was exceedingly busy that morning, turning a fat, ill-made French woman of a farmer class into an elegant lady. She was choosing the right robes, the right chapeau. She was, with a skill all her own, softening the tents of Madame Volat. Madame Volat hardly knew herself in her chapeau and her robe. She stood in the center of the largest salon, the admired of all beholders. A group of young girls surrounded her, while la petite comtesse gave her orders in a firm and resolute voice. You must wear this green so dark, she said. Tiens, and here are the very chapeaux for you. Hesitate not, Madame Volat. You will look, oh, oh, the most charming. A little way to the right stood Madame Durand, the Lady Ebby Duncan, and Dorothy, her sister. La petite comtesse kept her back to the group. She was absorbed with Madame Volat. Just then, Madame Marcel came up and whispered some words to the little comtesse. The little comtesse shook her pretty head. No, no, she said. It cannot be. I have all my time occupied to the moment. They have offended me, and I will not serve them now. See, behold. When I have done with this chère madame, there are others who are waiting for me. I cannot give any advice at all to the ladies, Ebe and Dorothy. You must attend them yourself, Madame Marcel. Madame Marcel did her best, but the deed was done. Dorothy and Ebe, accompanied by their aunt, left the establishment with their heads in the air and a very significant expression on their faces. Behold, I had my way, said little Margot with a smile, and she went on giving all her skill and knowledge to the wives of the different farmers, who were so rich and could pay so well. But when they got into the street, Ebe said a word to her aunt, Madame Durad. I have 